Words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the ad-free shows and podcast heat networks. I'm John Alba, and that is the broken one, the woken one, the spoken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy. Episode 101, baby. How about that? How you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about myself right now. Uh, I am here at the Hardy compound. It is very brisk outside. It is very chilly outside. It is very frigid outside. Um, but it's okay. It's a good day. It's a good day to be here at the Hardy compound. It is. And it's a good day to be watching the extreme life of Matt Hardy live on ad-free shows. We got a few top guys in here as we tape this. Coach Rosen. Well, if it isn't the guy that got Rosie. Matt Hardy this weekend. Talking to Josh Fields, who's in here. Because Josh Fields did get a chance to meet. He says, Matt, I have to say thank you for an incredible interaction at GalaxyCon this past weekend. I cannot recommend enough going out of your way to meet Matt. It is an A-plus experience. Thank you, Josh. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I would also bounce that right off of me and back to you. I, I had a great experience meeting you. It was so great to see you on both Friday and on Sunday. And I'm glad you got to meet Brother Nero. He was very tickled to meet you. And so that's very cool that I was a, a loyal guy that checks on the podcast and supports it and whatnot. You know, this this podcasting world is all new to Jeff. This is very uh, this is very foreign to him. So he, he thought it was really cool meeting you as well, Josh. So uh, anybody who comes out, I mean, my, myself and Jeff, it is our number one priority to give people a very special memorable, uh, intimate experience, you know, and I'm hoping it's going to be an experience that is indelible in their mind as, as their, uh, their life was forward. No doubt about it. Josh Henney's in here as well. Said Fields is a lucky man. There you and, have it, Josh. You're right. And he also says no mad at dynamite this week. No mad at dynamite tonight. And, uh, the reason being it is in Canada and, uh, my brother still has issues getting into Canada right now. And since Jeff wasn't going to be there, then I wasn't going to be needed to be there. Jeff's got heat with Canada, huh? I don't think he necessarily has heat with Canada. <laughs> I think the people that little line that like connects the United States and Canada called the border, I think they yeah. might have a little heat with some of Jeff's history. <laughs> so that, that'd probably be where the heat lies. I I would say so. You know, my buddy wrote a pilot that he's trying to shop around and get picked up. They shot it and everything about Canusa Street, which is a real place. I believe it's in Minnesota where the town is literally split in half by the U.S.-Canadian border. And mm -hmm. the premise of the pilot involves uh, someone who is a Mountie on the Canadian side and her twin sister is a U.S. Border Patrol agent. And uh, it was kind of funny seeing how they interact with that. So border heat sucks, as Josh says. No doubt about it. No border heat. <laughs> <laughs> no border heat here. That's, I much prefer Latino heat. Over border heat, I can tell you that. That's right. That's right. Better than nothing, as your pal Eddie Guerrero would say. Nothing. Hey, we are running a giveaway. Don't forget, guys. You head on over to boxagimmicks.com. If you see that QR code, if you're watching on YouTube, you can pick up all this new merchandise from the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, especially for the holidays. But if you send us a top five Spotify wrapped or the top five Apple podcasts that the Extreme Life was in, well, then you are going to be entered to win. Matt, I don't know about you. I was checking my mentions all week. I got a ton of people saying the Extreme Life was in their top five. Did you catch some of those? Same, John. Same. What do you think of seeing all that feedback? Uh, it, it's great. I mean, for, first and foremost, it's just extremely flattering 
to think that people would take our project of passion, the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast, and uh, and enjoy it so thoroughly, and especially it be their top podcast, the number one podcast uh, on all Spotify that they listen to week in and week out. That's amazing. But I mean, so many times we were in the top five over and over. I mean, that's just uh, it's just such a such a flattering, such a such a humbling action that people actually listen to our podcast that much and it comes back in their results and they post it so thank you guys keep posting them and we do we want to give stuff away to those people that post those we want to see that we were in your top five cinco five cinco five yes. podcasts of 2023 next week we're going to pick a winner live on air so keep those coming you can send them at matt hardy pod or find matt and mine social media and send them to us as well uh this is going to be awesome uh, to give away another gift. We love doing our giveaways. So we appreciate all of your support. This week, Matt Hardy, we are going to be discussing someone who's a big time friend of yours. And uh, he has recently returned to WWE, and that is Randy Orton. And I'm very excited to talk about the Viper. This is an episode that uh, is a long time coming. Uh, mm. But before we do that, you and Jeff. Uh, caught a lot of head headlines with our episode 100 last week, which I really encourage everyone to go back and listen to because I think it was one of our more insightful and honest episodes of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy that we've had. What was some of the feedback you got on that? Where do things stand after you spoke your honest truth? And how do you feel that your words were represented in the week that followed? I, I mean, I can say that it was... Uh... 1000% real. I mean, that was, that was the real genuine Matt Hardy. That was the real, the authentic Jeff Hardy, uh, speaking from the heart, uh, speaking very honestly, speaking very truthfully. And, uh, you know, we weren't going out of our ways to insult anyone or to make anyone look bad or, uh, you know, as they say, in wrestling, bury someone. It was just us, you know, speaking the truth. And I think of course, anytime you have, stuff that you talk about on a podcast uh there's going to be people online you know in in the sheets of dirt or uh, on the internet that are going to take those words and they're going to kind of twist the context or the narrative behind them and and that happens some but there were a lot of people that reported it very well and you know of course i i knew it was going to stir up a conversation it was meant to stir up a conversation uh meant to start a conversation so uh, it's 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 all good. Um, I feel good about it. Uh, I I don't feel bad. I feel very real. I feel very legitimate for stating the case as I did, and um, we'll see where things go from here. You know, sometimes in order to make a change in life, you have to really uh, look whatever you feel the obstacle is right in the face, and you have to address it. You know, and then and then you have to go go to it, and you have to you have to uh, go into a position that isn't necessarily fun or comfortable and then sometimes you have to do that in life to continue to to move forward especially if it's something that is really sincerely important to you deep down in your core deep down in your soul and this was this was to to myself and to jeff as well so there's been a lot of people that listened to the podcast and just said thank you so much for being so real so authentic it was inspiring to hear um there's been a lot of great uh, support coming from the podcast. There's obviously always going to be people too that are going to be upset by the things you say or disagree with the things you say, whatever it may be, because that's your stance and maybe you're not their guy and, and that's okay. And I understand that. And I understand if someone sees things from the other side, because I understand 
my actions sometimes can be seen in a couple different ways. I mean, there's a duality in, in a, a lot of ways actions and words are interpreted, you know, so it's okay. It's all good. But at the end of the day, it felt like it was very righteous. It felt like it came from a good place and I'm good with it. Yeah. I, I had the conversation a lot with people over the week, just very honest conversations about it, who listened to it. I think there are some people online who took some of what you guys said as, oh, the Hardys are just trying to get themselves booked in the main event again and put at the top of the card. And I really didn't perceive it that way at all. I really perceived no, it. I as, mean, it, 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 if you got that out of, if you got that out of last week's podcast, out of episode 100 of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, you were not listening to it. You had your own agenda. You had your own narrative you're trying to fulfill. There, there was nowhere in that that we alluded to that in any capacity, in any capacity. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of you guys wanting to be utilized in a way where you can really contribute to helping enhance other people. And I think that's a very selfless way of wanting to do business at this stage in the game for you guys. And I didn't take it as you complaining about things. I took it as you trying to make a case for you guys to be able to make an impact. And, and I don't think that's a negative thing. You know, in, in life, if you're complacent with where you are at any stage, whether it's professionally or personally, and not trying to strive to be a better version of yourself, uh, you're only damaging yourself as far as I see it. You should always be striving to be better in some way. And that's that's kind of the way that I perceived it. I want to make it very clear. I did not come to you with a pitch for the episode of, hey, I want you guys to talk about your frustrations. I had no idea what you guys were going to say. That was all very honest and real from you guys. So I, I don't take it that way at all, Matt. And one of the things that you just touched on right there, I had a high school coach who was my football coach in high school. MD Guthrie, that was his name. And he had something that he would say to us often when we practice. And this is like a, a, a motto that I kept for quite a bit in my life. And I still do. I don't use as much now in my older age as I did when I was younger. But he said, if you're not getting better, then you're getting worse. Then you're getting worse. You don't stay the same. Once again, he said, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. You don't stay the same. And that really hit home with me. And there's something to that. And what you're saying, like, I feel like if you're not driven, if you become complacent and it's just about like making a payday at your job or whatever, maybe if you're not hungry, if you're not driven to still be the best version of you that you can be at that, at that stage of the game in the day you are currently and actively in presently, then you're, you're kind of, you're doing yourself a disservice. Then you're, you're letting yourself go. If you're not getting better, then you're getting worse. You don't stay the same. And those words, uh, those words resonated with me. And it's also about being a contributing member to society, right? Like I think the ultimate measure of a man is how do they contribute to society to make it better? And in this case, it's not necessarily society per se, but you want to contribute to a, a company where you can make people around you better. So I have a lot of admiration for that. And I hope that people see that that was the message that you guys were trying to impart. And, uh, you know, we'll see what comes from it. And I, I give you a lot of credit for putting yourself out there vulnerably like that. You know, Josh Henney says, we all appreciate the honesty and transparency on the show. It's absolutely amazing. Josh Fields is the honesty and authenticity. Make this the best. And, and I think that's kind of the goal of what we do here, isn't it? It is. And thank you, Josh and Josh. Uh, appreciate those those words. And, and it is. That's definitely that's definitely the goal of this podcast. This podcast is meant to be as honest and as real and as transparent as possible. Not some 
bullshit deal where we're the wrestler behind the curtain and we're still trying to, you know, do use the smoke and mirrors to pull the magic over the people, people at home that are listening over their eyes. That's not what we're trying to do. We're here trying to really uh, distribute our message and we're really trying to really distribute the my most accurate takes on these issues that have happened back in the past, whether it's the attitude era or in the 2000s or during the broken Matt Hardy era, whenever it may be, or right now while we're in AEW, I mean, whatever period of my career it is, we try and define it and we try and talk about it as accurately as possible. We're not here trying to like work anyone into like, you know, thinking we are something different than what we are. We're here to be honest through and through. And like at this stage of the game, if myself and my brother can't be open books about our lives, then like, you know, we, we might as well, we might as well quit the business. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's just how it is. Like, I mean, we have lived and people know our stuff. One thing that is so annoying about people online sometimes, especially the, the, the diehard wrestling trolls that are on there. They, they, they probably love wrestling. I'm not going to take that away from them. I'm sure they're big fans, diehard fans, but you know, the way they judge wrestlers when, you have a bit of notoriety and everything is public and they know your past or they know your history, whatever, you know, not, not everyone has their past out there. Not everyone has their missteps. Not everyone has their history. Not everyone have their, their troubles. Not everyone has, you know, their negatives out there. You know, we are guys that do, we have all of our negatives out there and we own them all and we accept them all. And we really try and inspire people by telling people how it has allowed us to grow into better people because of these experiences we've had and because of things we've learned along the way. And, and we don't sit back and try and make excuses or we don't want to play victims. We're here just trying to do what we can to like share our story and possibly help somebody out. And we hear that. That's something we hear from wrestling fans all the time at these cons. We hear how we inspired people when we were team extreme, we can hear, from people that they were inspired when, you know, we both overcame addiction. They were inspired when we did the broken stuff and we totally changed up the thing as opposed to being just Matt and Jeff Hardy, the Hardy boys team extreme to being something totally new and different, you know? So we hear all those things and that's very important to us. That, that, that means a lot to us. And I think the human beings, both myself and my brother are uh, something that is, is truly paramount for both of us is to, reflect the change that has occurred to us and let other people know it is possible for them to do the same, no matter who you are. I love it. I love it. Is that the birthday boy back there? Yes. Hi, birthday boy. Let's bring the come, birthday boy hey, on. Come here, birthday boy. I want to, I want to wish Barty Hardy a happy fourth birthday on behalf of the entire extreme life family here. Um, let's say, uh, I'm going to see if you can hear let's this see. buddy. Is that Bar guy? Can you, can you hear that buddy? Hardy, can you hear me? Uh-huh. We want to wish you a happy birthday. All Matt Hardy's fans want to wish you a big happy birthday and say congratulations on making it to four. And we hope you had a great weekend, man. How was it? Was it the best birthday party ever? Yeah. What did you do? What'd you have? Tell everybody. A dinosaur toy. A dinosaur toy? What else did you have? Like a giant truck. You got a bunch of cool toys. What, mm -hmm. what, did you have a bouncy house? Yeah. Did you have a video game truck? Or you play other video games? Yeah. You had all kinds of stuff, right? It's cool. Mm -hmm. Wow. And how old how old are you? Four. Yeah. Very nice. We got our fans are wishing you happy birthday, Barty. Happy birthday. Said happy birthday, little man. I round. All right. Hey, <laughs> you know what? Here we go. I'm gonna sing it here. I'm gonna sing happy birthday here. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bartholomew. Happy birthday to you. I love you. All right. 
Love right. to see it. Love to see it. Barty, it sounds like it sounds like your sister might be throwing a little fit back there. Maybe you should go check on her. You want to go check on Evie? Go give Evie a baby hug? Go give her a baby hug. That's what she No, I did I, when Waffle was here, I did a baby hug. Oh, you did already. You want to be on the podcast now. You're here for the glory. All right, we're gonna finish up this podcast. Okay, birthday boy. Uh-oh. Here we go. Here, I'll set that up. Okay, thank you. Tell everybody bye, Barty. All right. All right. See you, Barty Hardy. Um, love to hear that it was great love to hear josh says the big four it is wonderful yes it is Indeed. absolutely uh you're talking about honesty and transparency we didn't get to talk about it last week but i definitely would love to hear your thoughts on it cm punk returning to wwe what do you got to say about it um you, you can't hate that move by wwe for sure um it, it's uh it was a shocking move obviously it was going to get people talking and uh it, it's business right and it's it's good for business and I would imagine uh, it's an environment where I think Phil would be on his best behavior there. And, um, you know, and if, if that makes him happy and he's good with that, uh, then then I'm, I'm fine with that, too. I'm cool with that. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Hopefully it is an opportunity for him to end his career on the right note and do business the way that should be done and make some money for everyone. That's that's the idea. He said. He wasn't there to make friends. He was there to make money, which is more or less barring an old adage from your boy, Scott Hall. It's not show friends, it's show business at the end of the day. So we will see what happens there. It's This is like my favorite time of the year, man. I love just this home stretch, getting into the winter, WrestleMania season, AEW's building towards Sting's retirement match. The Continental Classic going on, going on Which, right now. Bart. I'm very excited. That is going to be in Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, Sting's last match. Yeah, a, let's ask you about it. Yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, I, 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 I was so happy to hear that. I mean, I was talking with Tony, the guy who is our agent on these cons and stuff, and kind of books us for these things. But he just thought he said Greensboro would be a great venue. He was naming out some of the venues that uh, they could really have this in that would have worked. And a lot of them were here in the Mid-Atlantic area, especially during the NWA days. And it's where he had some of his most famous matches with Ric Flair. So I am really glad they are. I'm really glad that AEW is being very, uh, um, they're being very true to form and like letting him wrestle in a city that was truly important, important to him and also formative, formative to his career, which being Greensboro, North Carolina. And, and I'm not going to lie. I, I dig it because that's an hour and, 15 or 20 minutes from the house. So it's nice that, uh, nice that it's close by. Yeah. And then on top of that, you got the great continental class going right now. Brian Danielson is a total madman in that. And we also, as we tape this tonight, we will see Christian cage versus Adam Copeland for the TNT championship. Yes. I know you're a big fan of the program they got going on right now. Do you have any thoughts on the magic that they've been producing? Uh, I, I love it. Uh, really thoroughly enjoying what those guys are doing inside the ring. And, uh, you know, also like uh, in promos to one another, character wise, I, I'm hyped for their match tonight. So I'm very excited to see it. So probably after we get off here, I'll flip on the TV and, and check it out. So looking forward to seeing uh, Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland in good old Canada in the great white North, you know, in Montreal. What a world it is that we get to see that match in 2023 in Canada. Nonetheless, CLP being even more C than normal uh, these days. So we will have to find out how that one plays out. 
Matt Hardy. We are talking Randy Orton this week on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. So without further ado, please, my friend, hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact. Matt gravitates to chili when it gets cold. Yeah, you were excited for that one. I saw you posted about that on social media. Yeah. Uh, well, so Maxwell has become a big chili fan right now. So, like, we actually went to Chili yesterday after Barty and Wolfie's Taekwondo. And, like, Max was just so into the chili. He, he got, like, a, a bowl of it and ate it. And then at the very end, he had a little bit left, and he was going to get it to go. And then the lady brought him out a whole nother bowl, which he ate today. We actually went to a place today, and I just got a big bowl of chili as the appetizer to my meal so that he could have some of mine to try another establishment. We ate at a nice restaurant tonight, uh, myself and my wife and Maxwell. So he had his guitar lesson following that. And, uh, and and he enjoyed it. He was all about it. And, like, I know I, 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 I every time it gets cool, I'm a guy who really loves some, um, some roughage, you know, to kind of, like, set the pace for my meal as an appetizer. I like a little house salad, you know, get some vegetables in and whatnot. But, like, whenever it gets cool and cold and now we're in december so we're getting some cold weather here at the hardy compound right uh i love chili and and i almost like switch out i uh, flip-flop the house salad and the chili as my appetizer at the beginning beginning of the meal so i uh, i thought about that whenever it gets cool outside whenever it starts getting cold actually getting close to winter time whenever it starts approaching uh i gravitate towards chili a lot more than a house salad josh fields wants to know thoughts on cincinnati chili i like it i like the cincinnati chili They've got a couple good, a couple good spots you can get chili in. Yeah, that's the big thing up there yeah. in Cincinnati. It's it's chili. I've I've learned a couple of different chili recipes from my mom, who makes unbelievable chili, including a, a white chili, which is fantastic. If you've never had that, really, really good turkey chili too. Uh, you know, a little little leaner, a little healthier. That's that's where we're looking at here. So uh, I'm with you, man. It's it's a nice comfort meal around this time of the year. So we like that heading into the holiday season. All right, buddy. Here we go. Randy Orton just made his return to WWE a couple weeks ago at Survivor Series, and now it looks like he's on a collision course with none other than the tribal chief himself, Roman Reigns, for the Royal Rumble. It seems to be the avenue that they are going. I want to talk about Randy today because Randy, for as legendary as he is, Matt, is someone who has a bit of a polarizing legacy among wrestling fans. And we can dive into that over the course of this episode. You've gotten to know Randy better as the years have gone on, even in your more recent years. So looking back on his career should be pretty interesting. But before we can get into Randy himself, we have to kind of talk about his bloodline and his legacy. Because it all begins with Bob Orton and Bob Orton Jr., you know, Cowboy Bob, his father, Bob Orton, his grandfather, mm -hmm. wrestling lineage is royal for the Ortons. When was your first exposure to the Orton bloodline? I, uh, <laughs> I, I just, I remember Orton Jr., you know, rocking the cast on his hand, having that own nonstop for like the majority of his career. It feels like uh, th that was my first introduction to him, you know, watching some wrestling during the 80s, I would guess is when I was first introduced to him. And then I remember hearing after we'd been around WWE for a couple years and we'd been doing our thing and we'd already kind of got some momentum and we're getting hot. We're going, Oh my God, they just signed, you know, Orton Jr.'s son, Randy. And they really think he's going to be a, you know, going to be a very special player. And, uh, 
everyone assumed that. And then even I remember his early reviews that came in when he was doing OVW and whatnot is that he was going to turn into something special. And lo and behold, everyone was correct. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. We got Ryan Purvis in here. What's going on, Ryan? Good to have you here live. What up, Ryan? That's one of the great perks of ad-free shows. Uh, yeah, man, Cowboy Bob, the cast. It's such a classic 1980s wrestling element, right? Like the foreign yeah. object, which really became super popularized in the early to mid-80s. And the natural heat is there with the idea that whether he had a shoot broken wrist or not, he continued to have that thing for years to come just to continue with the heat. It's a little peek in the mind of the wrestling geniusness that flows within that blood in the Orton family. As far as I see it, what are your opinions on using that for heat? Oh, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm the guy that played broken man Hardy guys. Uh, so yeah, of course I'm, I'm here for something like that. That is uh you know, just very, very elementary. It's very simple, but it also is is it's funny and it's entertaining. So you have this bad guy who suffered an injury, and probably a lot of times when these angles start, they really did, <laughs> and they really did have to get some cast. But then they figure they can use it in a, in a nefarious way, and they can you know use it to get heat. And then after that works, and they get heat, then like what if supposedly they keep wrestling and they're such a such a warrior you know such a soldier they can't be stopped you know they keep wrestling on and on and on they don't stop but then they keep injuring their hands so they have to keep the cast on that's the only way they can maintain and, and keep themselves in one piece and keep themselves wrestling matches and feeding their family so it makes sense to me i like it and i'm here for it a lot of their family history runs through st louis uh, St. Louis, a very rich wrestling territory back in the day in its own right, but it's not one I feel like people talk a whole lot about. What have your experiences in St. Louis been like over the years? Uh, St. Louis is a, is a very classic wrestling town. I mean, when, when you say St. Louis to me, I obviously think about, you know, the Ortons now that they're there. I think about Harley Race being a big deal from St. Louis. I, I think about some of Rick's bigger matches in St. Louis as it was a big Stop for the NWA back in the day. And when I, when I say Rick, I, I mean Rick Flair of AEW. Um, I've enjoyed St. Louis. I remember being very excited to go to St. Louis just because I wanted to go to the Arch. You know, uh, I, I, I dig it, man. Yeah, I, I've always found that to be a really interesting part of the country when it comes to wrestling and the fans there. And uh, the Orans are very much embedded within that. So as you said, in 2000, he signs a developmental deal with wwe and goes to ovw and he is part of that insane ovw developmental class the prototype john cena rico brock lesnar batista you said just before that you remember hearing rave reviews about randy was he the one that stood out the most amongst the boys and leadership there over lesnar and cena and batista where'd he kind of fit in that they, they were all 
they were all pretty critically acclaimed. Uh, I remember they thought it was a very, very special class. I, I, I know a lot of people bet on Randy Orton. There were a lot of people that were betting on Brock. I know there were a lot of people that thought Cena could turn into something very special. I would almost say of all the four, Dave was probably the one they talked about the least, but I still think they saw a ton of potential in him. Back when he was doing the Leviathan character. Leviathan, yes. Which is very different than what we would see once Dave made his main roster debut. And that's what's so that's what's so funny too. Like like Dave Batista, legitimately one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. And then once I think Vince or whoever it was, you know, that that had to see like how cool of just a dude he was. He was the guy too, like wanted to round up all the guys and the girls in the town, like, let's go out and let's have a good time and, you know, indulge and, and, and have brotherhood and whatnot. You know, he was always about that. I remember there were many times where we'd be in a city that was very special to him and he would like set up a, a restaurant, a little place where all the WWE people could come and hang out and like have a good time and relax and celebrate. He was, he was always big with that. He was very much a, a he's very much a people person and just a, a, a good dude. Someone who's just really a cool ass guy in real life. We'd love to do an episode on Big Dave someday. I'm sure that will be down the pipeline at some point here. Uh, But Randy gets his call up in March of 2002. And then his first TV match is in April against Hardcore Holly on SmackDown, which he wins in an upset. Hardcore Holly, Matt, a guy that you were on the road with for a very long time. We got Wolfgang Hardy making a a cameo. All right, Barty, let me finish up, buddy, okay? Very serious. There's Barty. Um, but uh, Hardcore Holly, a guy you spent a lot of time on the road with over the years. And worked with a lot, too. And worked with a lot. Putting a super, super young up-and-comer in the ring with a grizzled veteran like Hardcore Holly for his first TV match. What's the idea behind that? I... I, I feel like Bob was kind of labeled as one of the enforcers during that period and that, that era, but they also knew he was like a very solid worker overall. So I, I felt like they would put someone like Randy in the ring with Bob. He's a solid worker. Uh, they, they would expect him and trust him to do the right thing, especially knowing this was a guy that they saw a ton of potential in. But I feel like if Randy was, you know, if Randy became a rapscallion in the match, if he kind of got out of hand or, like, you know, tried to do something he shouldn't have been doing because maybe it built a reputation or whatever at that time, that Bob would also be the guy to, like, get him in check very quickly. I, I feel like that's probably the, the twofold purpose of Bob Holly wrestling with Randy Orton. Would you find that to be beneficial for a young guy? I could be, especially if uh, if if said young guy uh, they feel could possibly have like a, an attitude or ego problem. Randy gets hurt in September and he's off TV for a while. They're trying to do some vignettes to make him a little more narcissistic. They're doing the Randy News Network, RNN. Yes. Uh, those, are, those are funny. Those are good. They were funny and they start to bring out his personality a little more. But come 2003, once he returns... We see him join Evolution. Evolution becomes the main characters of WWE programming for quite some time. Of course, 
Triple H, Ric Flair, Batista, and Randy Orton. And Randy kind of gets anointed as the chosen one, the, the future, if you will. What kind of indictment is that on how they saw him at the time? And what was the buzz amongst the boys seeing Triple H's hand-picked goons, if you will, all form a, form a stable together? Yeah, that was this deal, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, I I think I think everyone was on board with the idea and the thought process that Randy had the potential to be a very very special talent and a top player and someone who could make money for the company for a very long time. Uh, I would guess there were some people that may have been hesitant or may have been concerned that maybe he was still younger and that maybe there was an ego or attitude problem because, you know, sometimes there would be incidents with Randy back then, you know, early on back in the day where, you know, they were unsure where, where, where Randy could be a wild card. So I would imagine that would be the hesitation, but I figure they are saying if this guy is matured, if, if he's here to do business and move forward, he's going to be a superstar for years and years to come. Let's talk a little bit about that. So, twofold number one what are they seeing in him and what are people in the locker room seeing in him that makes you think he can be a big time star and what were some of those personality issues and drawbacks that he had at that time maybe with his maturity uh what people saw him i what people saw in him first and foremost i think is just that he was raised in wrestling right there's no substitute for experience there's no substitute for knowledge especially if it's ingrained in you as a child his family his father, his grandfather, they had wrestled. They were lifers, right? So he knew everything. He just was so gifted when it came to every aspect of the pro wrestling game. You know, a super good-looking dude, handsome as shit, uh, had a great physique, athletic as hell. And then he also had, like, the timing down. He had the persona. He, he, he knew when to strike. He knew when to do things, not even saying that as a pun because he was a viper. He knew when to strike when it was time to like go from being in a taunt or in a stance into going into action. He was, his timing like that was just amazing. And it has always been amazing. His, his just natural ability to do things the correct way has just been off the grid. So that's why people saw him as a future star. Plus tall guy, bigger, good build. Uh, he had the size you know, that Vince loved so much at that time. So he, he, he checked all the boxes without a doubt. Um, there were anger issues that Randy had earlier on, and that's something that concerned people. You know, there were, without going into like very specifics, because I wasn't with him day in and day out there, there were times where if something happened and he didn't agree with it or someone thought he did something that he felt he didn't do, uh, his anger could get him in trouble. And I feel like that's what did get him in trouble back in those days, just those anger issues. And and that was kind of at the core with him, right? And that followed him, that reputation followed him for yes. quite some time. It's funny because now you look at Randy, he's such a chill dude now, and it's so much more laid back in real life. But back yes. then, you're absolutely right. He was very high energy and there was a lot going on uh, probably in his personal life and it was bleeding into the professional life a lot as well. And I think part of it too, Matt, it comes with the expectations of being a second, third generation performer where there's just so much spotlight on you. And that follows him 
into his run here with um, Evolution. And in the middle of 2004 at SummerSlam, at just age 24, he defeats Chris Benoit to become the world heavyweight champion. He's the youngest world champion in WWE history at that juncture. What do you remember about that going down? Was Randy ready for that spotlight just yet at that point? I mean, in pro wrestling, sometimes when people are younger, it's really hard to deem if they're ready or not, uh, especially like that. If you're becoming the guy that's going to be seen as the face of the company, it's hard to really deem if someone is ready or not. I mean, if you think they're in the position uh, athletically and from a character standpoint and from a money-drawing standpoint, then then they have to be ready. They are ready in the offices standpoint. And then it's just your job to like get ready. If you're not all the way ready where you need to be in your personal life. So I, I was happy to see it. And I will also add this. There's never been a point uh, during my whole career where I've had any issues with Randy Orton. I've always got along fine with him. I've never had any kind of problems with him at all. No personal problems. But as you said, and we'll get into later, those last three years when I came back to WWE, I got to know him a whole lot better and we clicked a lot better because of a couple of specific reasons. But uh, yeah, ever since day one, I've always been cool with Randy. When you were talking about him working with Bob Holly early on, I worked with him quite a few times too. And it was great. He was a, you know, he was a, a pleasure to, to work with. I was so just going to ask you about that, actually. You know, back in 02, you had a, a quick house show match with him where you actually put him over. But in 04, as we're in this transition area where he's going from like an intercontinental champion to a world champion on a raw house show in Japan, you guys wrestle a 15-minute match for the intercontinental championship. Do you have any memories of working in Japan with Randy? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember that match at all yeah. in Japan with Randy, okay. which is so funny. Um, but no, I, I, I do know there's been a, a few times off and on. I've wrestled him on TV, but like he's one of those guys just like, oh, wrestling with Randy. OK, great. You know, it just it, it's it's very comforting. And uh, it was just always a pleasure, man. It was always so easy. I think that's something that we hear a lot about Randy, that it's just so easy with him. Is that his instinct? Is it his natural skill set? Can you provide more? insight on that i mean i i think it's his instinct i i think it's because he was raised in the pro wrestling business by his father and grandfather i just think randy caters to an older school traditional pro wrestling style uh you tell a story you take your time uh it's not all about the moves you do it's about the story you tell and it's about when you do the moves more than anything else so he takes his time he don't rush. There's people that have said like in later years, it's like the pace of wrestling has become just out of control, you know, in so, so many ways. There's people who think that, you know, he just, he's too slow or he's too boring or should, I disagree. I think what he does is the heart and soul of pro wrestling. And I think it will always be marketable, especially in a WWE product where he currently works. And I just think he's very smart in how he does stuff. And I think people realize when you work with someone who works that style it makes it a little easier too. It's easier to communicate. It's it, you don't have to like remember a shitload of things during the course of a match. You get in there and there's a lot of feel to it. Uh, timing is nowhere near as much as, uh, of an issue as it is if you're wrestling someone who wants to do like a ton of hot spots throughout the course of the match and they have all these different sequences and whatnot. So I'm all about it, especially as I get older. I'm not gonna lie, I'm all about it. And like the style Randy Orton works, I think it is it is practically perfect. As those skills deteriorate, you just gotta. Yes. You got to work to a style like that. You're right, man. It is easy. It's it's an easier style. 
an easy day at the office. And we want to help you here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy have an easy holiday season. And the way we're going to do that is by setting you up with this great service. Here, you ready? Envision this, okay? It's Christmas morning. Everyone's excited. Opening those presents, right? I'm sure the queen has a gigantic Christmas display Christmas morning. I'm sure it's a big deal, right? Yes. Huge deal. Okay. Kids are running down. They open up their presents and they got six tickets to Paw Patrol Live. Matt Hardy, that was an easy gift to give. And why was it an easy gift to give? It was an easy gift to give for one simple reason. One word, game time. Game time indeed. And with the game time guarantee, we are telling you folks, you are going to have one of the easiest ticket buying experiences of your entire life. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets for your next big event. And what better way to surprise a family member, a friend, whomever, with a great gift this holidays than with our friends over at Game Time with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets, and they specialize in last minute because Matt Hardy, sometimes we don't know if our schedule is going to allow for us to show up to that big event, and we got to swing in at the very last second and snag those tickets. And the app is so easy to navigate. I personally love the view from your seat. Have you ever been in a situation where you purchase tickets and you thought that, oh, my view is going to be great, and then all of a sudden there's a giant-ass obstruction in your way? Yes. <laughs> it's like... Obstructed view. It's the worst. It is the absolute worst. That's not going to happen with game time. They've got you covered with view from your seat, and there's also... This is my favorite right now. These zone deals. You pick the section. Game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. What would big money, big money Matt, pardon me, think about that? Uh, big money Matt is all about that. You know where every nickel and dime is going? That's right up <laughs> big money Matt's alley. And the game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code HARDY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. And what's that promo code, Matt? That promo code is H-A-R-D-Y. HARDY. Use it. $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You know, big rumor going around this week that Friday, as we drop this, this is the big rumor from the people okay. that I talk to. That ACDC could be announcing their 50th anniversary tour. Oh, okay. And, all right. That's a big that, deal. That's, that's a big time deal. That's a big time deal. And you know, Lots of people in WWE, especially, are huge ACDC marks. Your friend Chris Jericho is a massive ACDC mark. And your co-host, John Alba, is a massive ACDC yes. mark. So I cannot wait. And uh, you bet your ass I'll be using game time should that come to pass. 2004, Matt Hardy. 
He wins the World Heavyweight Championship. And around this time, he starts picking up some steam with a finishing move. R-K-O. Out of nowhere. And he takes wrestling by storm with his quickness, his speed, his ability to hit this finisher. What do you think the RKO did for Randy's career? I think just having a, a move that was very simplistic in many ways, um, but it was something that he could hit on anyone, no matter what their size or stature was. And then putting a, a catchy name with it and kind of integrating it into his whole character and, and the way he made it the most three dangerous letters in all of sports entertainment and the way he became the legend killer shortly thereafter. It was just a very smart move. And obviously it was something that uh, built up a lot of equity and it helped give him great longevity in WWE. Yeah. What do you think about that? Having a finishing move that you can hit on everybody. Is that, I, I think that's vitally important. Yeah. Because I, I got to go back. So if, if my memory serves me correct, when I worked with him, when he first came around in 2000, 2001, whatever the year was, uh, he was doing the, the playmaker, if I'm not mistaken, yep. right? Mm -hmm. MVP did. For, God, I've got to, I'll, I'll be honest. And this is nothing against any of the guys that did the move, but like, I hated taking that move. I, I, I was not a fan of that move at all. That should actually be a mat fact. Um, it, was that, is that what it was called? The playmaker? Is that correct? I mean, when MVP did it, it was called the playmaker. What was it uh, called originally? I'll, I'll pull up what Randy called right, it. Just pull that up real quick because yeah. I remember that it was a move that drove me nuts. It was just such a weird move. It didn't seem impactful. It didn't seem like it would like take someone out and be a finish. Big heat, big heat with that move. Yeah. Uh, the Ozone was his first finisher. And then the, o the Ozone, is that what the, it was called? The Ozone Overdrive. Okay. Is that, was that that move? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. And then, I mean, I feel like it was used before that didn't, who did that originally didn't, uh, the overdrive. Yeah. yeah. People call that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, Elix Skipper, did Elix Skipper do that? I believe Elix Skipper. Let me see. I'm, I'm pulling up a compilation here of, of all the wrestlers who have, who have done it in the past. I'm trying to find, uh, Carlito used it at one point too. <laughs> <laughs> what, what makes you laugh about that one? <laughs> I don't know. It just it's just it's just such it was such an awkward move. I thought it was such an awkward move. So what what makes it an awkward move exactly? Uh just how you pick someone's arm up and you do a leg and like someone has to be bent over and there's like a kick up and then back through and then like once the guy hits is like doesn't like look it doesn't look super impactful. Not no. like some knockout blow. Yeah, Elix Skipper used it. Yeah. And like for me, it's the fluidity in which you have to hit it in order for it to look good. Um, and yeah. like you said, M MVP did it, Orton did it, uh, Carlito did it for a brief period of time. It it's just not all that impactful. And you compare that, you juxtapose that to the RKO. I mean, come on. Yeah. Now. It's not even in the same realm. And as you said, you just mentioned the legend killer gimmick. He then leverages that yeah. into the legend killer where he starts, he starts pulling away everyone. It starts with Mick Foley where the two of them have an amazing hardcore match. If you've never seen it, go out of your way to see that. I believe it was at a backlash or judgment day. Oh, four. I'm pretty sure it's backlash. Oh, four. Fantastic. And that starts to become his thing. He RKO's Jake, the snake Roberts, 
Uh, and then he sets his sights on The Undertaker at WrestleMania in 2005. And I, I really, truly believe, Matt, that this was his first true test to be one of the top guys. Again, that WrestleMania match with The Undertaker. It's the first time that the streak is really a big deal in the storytelling of an Undertaker right. match at WrestleMania. And the general consensus was he swam big time in this. Do you have any recollections about that? I I, I remember thinking it was a good match. I remember uh, thinking that uh, Taker and Randy had, had a really good match. I do, I do remember that match. Yeah. And that pivots him into a, a bonafide main eventer. And we know for years to come, he is going to be put in a multitude of different roles He's going to be with Edge as part of Rated RKO. He's going to have Legacy with with Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase. He becomes the Viper because he can strike at any point. Uh, what was your general thought about Randy's career progression and where he stood in that John Cena era? Was he ever the guy that's one of the complaints that a lot of wrestling fans have leveraged against Randy, that he never was the top guy during his run at the top. He was a huge star. He was a top guy for the company. He made a shit ton of money. He was on this long decade contract. Uh, he was okay. That, that, that doesn't bother me. And I, I think that's like one of those things when you, you're picking out small little details like that. Like, Oh, well, he was never really the guy or whatever. I just, I mean, he, he, he did excellent for himself. So I, I don't have any issues with that. And I, I feel like that just conversation of John Cena kind of being the franchise that the company, you know, built around that time. And he was kind of like the Hulk Hogan or the stone cold rock or whatever, whatever guy you classify him with. I, I, I think saying Randy didn't, wasn't that guy for a period of time was like just a, not an important statement to make. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about that then now while we're at it. Randy, recently there was some controversy on Twitter discourse with him. A lot of people were zeding about the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame where Randy, you know, he's still not a member of it. And a lot of his support came from the veterans of the industry. A lot of the older guys who thought that he's a, a Hall of Famer. That's just the Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer. I mean, Ra Ra Randy, Randy is not Dave Meltzer's type of wrestler, though. Well, but Dave Meltzer's not voting on this. This is not. And I, 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 I know, and I, I know he's not. And and specifically, even when I'm saying that, I just mean like the people that are dedicated and loyal subscribers to to Dave Meltzer. Randy is not their type of wrestler. That's Randy is not a guy that like prides himself on like having these high work rate matches. And I feel like that is kind of the fan base that has, you know, gravitated more towards the internet and gravitated towards, you know, a, a Dave Meltzer or gravitated more towards people that have interest in, you know, dirt sheets or the behind the scenes stuff. And like, you know, that that work rate is really important to that niche audience, you know, and that's one of the things even at AAW, I, I feel constantly because, you know, what's important to them is like work rate and how many stars the match was, if it was a fiver or if it was a banger. So then what makes him a hall of famer in your mind? He, he's drawn money. He sold tickets, uh, is a hill where he was very, very good. Probably excels and probably is 
That's where he excels the most. And at his best, people will pay because they dislike him. They want to see someone else beat him. Also, he is someone that connects with people. He evokes emotion and he connects with fans that are sitting in those seats. And people go, oh, my God, that's like Randy Orton. He's had so many memorable moments. You know, they might not remember like, you know, his top 10 five star matches, but they're definitely going to remember a shitload of Randy Orton moments, which there has been a bunch. It's it is really fascinating. And listen, you know how I feel about Randy. If, if the internet doesn't know how I feel about Randy, I think Randy is fantastic. I I think of Randy Orton very highly uh, as as a performer, especially. But even getting to know him a little bit, doing the Wives podcast, I, I really grew to like Randy a lot. Um, but there there is a fair criticism. Like if you were to look back at Randy's timeline as a wrestler. There's a fair criticism to say, you know, there's probably really only a handful of matches that are super, super, super memorable Randy Orton matches. And for a guy of his celebrity and a guy of his top guy status that he has had for so long, you would expect someone like him to have more, quote unquote, memorable matches. I'm not even just talking about like the bangers, but instead... I look at Randy and I say, man, this guy has been as consistent as you could possibly want in every situation that he has put in and thus has earned his keep as a top major player. He evokes that emotion. They said, you hear that I hear voices entrance and people lose their effing minds because they know that there's an unpredictable nature of what they're about to see. And what I said to you on the phone, because you and I talked about this on the phone leading up to this, mm-hmm. there are few people in wrestling history who have been better at creating moments than Randy Orton. You may not remember the entirety of the match that Randy had, but damn, there are a hell of a lot of great Randy Orton moments in those matches that you do remember. What do you make of that? I mean, m- moments are what most people remember. It's not necessarily the matches. And this is something that you know, Vince and company said since day one, uh, people, you know, they, they may remember the finish. They may not. What they're going to remember more than anything else is how like the match and how the characters in the match made them feel. And that's, what's the most important. He said, uh, at the end of the day, in a, in a lot of scenarios, the result of the match, the finish of the match is insignificant. It's how the people in that match made the people watching in their seats, in the arena and at home feel how it made them feel emotionally. And that's something Randy's great at. And, and that, that's something that is, is overlooked nowadays in pro wrestling in, in, in some areas, you know, I feel like it's very important to remember that it's very much in how the people that are in a contest in a match, the people that are telling a story that have this journey that you're following them through. And then you see everything happen and, 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 and take shape in this wrestling match. And it's about how that makes you feel when it's all said and done and you see the result, whether you love it or you hate it, it's about how you feel at the end of that match. Do you have a favorite RKO? A favorite RKO moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved when Jeff, I, I, I had done it first, <laughs> but then they, they, they did it a couple of times. Jeff probably did it better <laughs> uh, where they would do the deal where Jeff goes to twist Randy and they go all the way around and Jeff catches him in the RKO coming down. Uh, I, I did love doing that with Randy and I love doing it with him, especially we had some matches with him with the, the whole rated RKO and the Hardys 
during we had some tag matches with those guys. We did do the clean sweep on those guys at the uh, Survivor Series where we teamed up with uh, with Phil and with DX. And probably one of my favorite moments with Randy, as crazy as this is, is that right before I left in those last three years is where we did the deal where we did a promo and I came out kind of like to take up for, for Adam Copeland. And then he attacks me and then I have this brace on my neck and that was initially going to be it. But the segment... Vince loved the segment so much. He loved our interaction. He loved our character work. And uh, apparently it did a decent number too. So then I came back the next week and I was going to originally have like a two and a half, like a, a two segment and our entrances were going to be at the end of another segment. So it was going to be, you know, virtually three segment match. And then I was going to wrestle him after having this neck brace on, you know, like, like my neck was broken or fractured or whatever. And it ended up changing because I think that was kind of like, a bone they were trying to throw me to try and get me to resign that maybe I'd do it if I was in this angle with, with Randy and they were promise, promising me some other stuff with Bray and the fiend going forward. Anyway, long story short, we ended up doing a promo again and then he did the deal where he gave me another concerto and then he put me out on the stairs and did another concerto. But like the concern, the legitimate concern in people's faces and just the way they gave a shit Whenever I left WWE and Randy was the guy that took me out, I was just so glad it was him. Someone that I liked so much. Someone I trusted, too, that was actually very, very safe. Uh, so that, that's one of my favorite moments. If anyone was going to write me off from WWE TV, I was happy it was, uh, was Randy. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So how did your interaction with Randy come about? Because that's when he took out Edge after Edge returned, and they were really trying to heat Randy up as a top heel. And... We know in hindsight, you know, your contract was coming up and you were planning right. your exit. Who pitched that idea to do this short angle with Randy? Uh, that was, I, I want to say it, it was Vince's idea and it came to me via like Michael Hayes and Bruce Pritchard. I think they talked about it. And there was an idea about having, a, you know, resigning and doing a program with Randy for a few weeks, you know, five, six weeks on TV you know, maybe having him hurt me and then come back out and then fight him and do a couple other matches and this, that, anything. I, there was a, a tag in there somewhere. I think they had an idea about, but then the selling point too, they offered me, there was this pitch. They said, well, if you do come back now that we've got Wyndham doing this, you know, uh, he has <clears throat> um, the Firefly Funhouse where he's a very comical character and, and, you know, very unserious. And then he turns into the fiend and he's like this killing machine. What if we did something where we put you with him and, you know, you could be broken Matt Hardy, which was like this, you know, fun, you know, happy go lucky type guy. And you could still do that silly, but then you have like this real mean street character. And then with Jeff, we could have him uh, do will of the wisp and then some other mean street character as well. And you guys could be a little faction. And that, that was, that was very appealing. I'm not going to lie about it, but it was just one of those things. Now they said, you know what, we're you know only going to do that direction. You know, if you choose to resign and then it kind of got to that point where it's like, uh, they're just, you know, they're kind of using this as a hook and I see how Vince sees me already. I know it's happening. So I'm going to try something else. And that's when I ended up trying AEW. Yeah. Uh, you said that in your return 2017 to beginning of 2020 here, you grew closer to Randy. How'd that come about? Uh, once again, I, th I think we, we had, we'd both battled through, you know, demons, uh, you know, as some people call them, we'd both battled demons. We both came out better on the other side. And I think probably the biggest bonding point that really helped us have fun, entertaining, good conversations where we would talk about our wives because we both have wives. 
that are very intense and also kind of being mad boys as we've both been perceived <laughs> as in certain times during our career single Matt Hardy of course I'm only speaking about um being bad boys we needed you know we needed someone that would keep us in check and we had two two uh two females that were uh, that were very intense very truculent and uh not afraid to speak their mind and not afraid to keep us in check regardless of who we were <laughs> yeah that's good descriptors <laughs> for both of your wives yeah. uh, I had the pleasure of doing a show with Kimberly Orton and uh, Kim Kim and I are cut from the same cloth and how we grew up and I, I have a lot of love for Kim and she's a great mom and I I really do I, I miss working with Kim all the time and uh, their story is just so crazy of how they met uh, just, you know, you guys have your crazy story in Poughkeepsie and I'm not sure if you knew this, but Randy and Kim met in Poughkeepsie as well. Oh yeah, and, I do. And she was just a fan who was like, I want to make out with Randy Orton. And he made his entrance and she got right to the barrier, got his attention. And on the way back, he like gave her a look and made sure that security had a a way for them to contact one another, which is just so crazy. Shooting your shot, man. Something in the water in Poughkeepsie, huh? Apparently. Apparently there's something in the water in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I was going to say that too. Can't, every time I've been around Kim, it, I, I've enjoyed her too. I, I like her also. And I really, I dig the relationship her and Randy have. It's a uh, really unique and really special. And uh, I dig that man. Cause, uh, at the end of the day, man, Randy's a really good guy. I, I I like him a lot. I respect him a lot. And I'm just happy in his day-to-day real life that he is happy. Uh, he's a happy dude. He's got a happy wife. And they have a happy family. And at the, at the end of the day, man, that's, that's what life is all about, just being happy with where you're at. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's got a great family. And he, he's... He's doing well. And, you know, for him to have this career threatening back injury and to be back from it, I mean, what does that mean to you as, as a friend to, to see him? I mean, so many of your friends have had these career threatening injuries and have been able to overcome them. And now you can add Randy to that list to see him back after this fusion back surgery. I mean, what do you think about it? I, I mean, it's great. Uh, it's great. It's once again a good a good show of how far technology has come, right? Where these injuries that guys would have had 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, God, I mean, the game has changed in 30 years for sure. But I mean, there's injuries that guys would have had like these concussion injuries or, you know, this, this bag, how he had discs slipping and, you know, putting pressure on his spine and whatnot that, that there, there wasn't enough technology to be able to do this the correct way where you could like, you know, lengthen someone's career and now technology has kind of gotten to that point where it can do that so it's uh it's it's great that we're at that point in time where guys who have had these more severe injuries that would have been a curtain call in the end of their career you know 15 20 years ago uh aren't necessarily you know isn't necessarily the case now you know hopefully there's a surgery they can correct stuff and they can be okay and they can get uh, some time, a couple more years out of a career or whatever, you know, a few more years and they can go out on their own, on their own accord. Randy says he's got 10 more years in him. Do you believe that? He may, if, if he feels like it. Yeah. 
Is Randy's how old is Randy now? Uh, he's a little he's younger than my old ass. Little little over forty. He is forty three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Maybe sign another huge decade long deal. Hey, look, Jericho's still out there, right? Yeah. Doing this thing. So there's well, I mean, it's one of those things too. I mean, Randy, Randy is he, you know, he's gonna work smart. I can promise you that he's going to be a performer first and foremost, more than yeah. anything else. And and uh, you know, I tip my cap to him when it comes to that. So where does Randy sit in terms of the all-time greats, Matt? You just spoke very highly of him. You said he's a Hall of Famer in your mind. Uh, you can't tell the st- – here's how I look at Hall of Fame arguments in most sports. And it's a little different with wrestling because wrestling's contingent on booking. But for me, when you're debating what someone's legacy is, it, can you tell the story of the sport without talking about them? And if you can't, then they're Hall of Famer. And Randy Orton, there's no questions asked that you can't tell the story of wrestling from the mid 2000s to today without talking about Randy. So where does he sit for you all time? I mean, he's he without without a doubt will go down as one of the greatest of all time. Um, many time, multiple time. How many cha- day, times to be in champ? Twelve times, thirteen. He's going to have a shot at being Rick. Yeah, I mean, he, he's 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 had a bunch. I know. So. He's a he, he's a legit guy. He's a legitimate Hall of Famer, um, without a doubt. As they say, you know, a first ballad WWE Hall of Famer when it came to that deal. But just in in in, in the in the whole lore of pro wrestling, he's a Hall of Famer. No matter no matter yeah. what area you're talking about, because he's a guy who who's just special. Who has who has sold tickets? Who has had people care about him? Who has evoked emotion? He, he is a guy that, that people give a shit about, you know, and, and he's had, he's been very consistent. I think you used that word earlier. He's been very consistent. You know, once again, he might not have the five-star match. He might not have the banger or whatever, but he goes out and he produces. He has these great matches. He tells these great stories over and over again. And at the end of the day, after you watch a Randy Orton match, you remember how you felt during that match, especially if there was some, you know, hot story connected to it. 14-time world champion. Is Randy 14, even even more than I th- guessed? Yeah. Uh, last question: Who's your favorite Randy Orton feud? My favorite Randy Orton feud. I mean, I feel like him and Cena had seventy-five matches together. Yeah, they, but... they did. They, they 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 did have quite a few. My favorite Randy Orton feud. I'll tell you mine. Mine is hands down. CLP. Christian and Randy having the one more match feud is one of my favorite. And I think is one of my most underrated feuds of all time. The only time I've ever been down with a DQ finish was money in the bank, 2011 world heavyweight title match. The stipulation was if Randy got disqualified, then Christian won the belt and uh, Christian spits in Randy's face. Randy just winds up and punts him in the dick. And he loses the belt off of that. And the crowd's going nuts as Christian is holding the belt while also clenching his testicles. And I think that's <laughs> just, that's perfect for feuding with Randy Orton. Uh, do any right. come to mind for you? I, the one thing I really liked, and, and you know, I, I don't want this to sound cliche, but you were talking about the deal he did with, with Hunter, with Triple H. I, I enjoyed a lot of that when he was doing the deal where he RKO'd Stephanie, right? And they had a lot of things back and forth, and yeah. it got really personal. Like, I, I actually, yeah, and I felt like that was kind of the, the nascence of Randy Orton in so many yeah. ways, where he really grew to another level. I, I enjoyed that program. Great feud, terrible payoff. They had 
a snoozer of a WrestleMania main event, which is a shame because the feud was like a blood feud and they should have yes. had a street fight or a no holds barred match. And they went and they had a 20 minute normal wrestling match that you'd see on Monday Night Raw. And that was that was disappointing. Uh, also, I liked his interactions with uh, with McFoley as well when he was oh, doing yeah. that deal, the Legend Killer deal with McFoley. I thought that was great too. For sure, for sure. Hey, that dude got a WrestleMania match with McFoley and The Rock. That's yeah, pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, good stuff here, Matt. Love talking about Randy. Anything else you want to add on him? Uh, no, man. Uh, just just well, once again, I'm I'm very happy that, that Randy Orton. Is healthy again. He's Hi. back in a ring where he should be. He's one of the greatest of all times. And I think Marty's very excited about it. He keeps saying hi over and over as if Randy's here on this podcast with us live. But uh, I, I, ju I just want to shout him out and say uh, I'm very happy for him. Uh, very happy he's living a happy life. Very, uh, very excited for him. He's having a happy career and once again, an extended career. He's just a good guy, man. He's he's uh, he's my pal and, and I dig him. I got lots of love for Randy Orton. Love to hear it. We think you're going to dig this podcast the more and more episodes we do, and we want you to get on board with us. Head on over to AdvertiseWithHardy.com. Get your business out in front of thousands of people every single week, your product, your business, whatever it may be. No better time than right now before the holiday season to get your message out than right here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Fun, fun, fun stuff, my friend. Always love doing this show with you. We are on the home stretch again, guys. Send in those top five Cinco five Cinco five uh, placements on Spotify and Apple podcasts to be entered to win a prize from box of gimmicks. Or if you just want to pick up a holiday treat box, gimmicks.com search the extreme life of Matt Hardy store. You're going to want to check out some of those great items and t-shirts that we have there. And Matt, I can't believe it, but we're only a couple weeks away. We'll be doing the 2023 Hardy awards, uh, which will be coming up and Matt Hardy will be, diving into the best and maybe even some of the worst of wrestling in 2023. So it should be lots of fun. Anything else you want to add, Matt? Uh, I'm going to set Marty up here real quick. Marty set him here. And uh, we don't have a thing. He was in Chili's eating yesterday and he was holding up his little knife and he cut his chicken tender and he did it really nice. It was good for him. He's very careful. Uh, and I just looked at him and said, hi, I'm Barty and we're friends to the end. Because of this, buddy. <laughs> this guy likes horror stuff. I think he likes Chucky. You know who his favorite character is, guys? Vegna from Stranger Things. He'll randomly <laughs> he'll randomly come up to me and say, Can you show me Vegna on YouTube, Dada? And then he started asking me to watch Chucky stuff. All right, don't mess with this might be. Is that maybe not Chucky yet on Chucky? <laughs> oh yeah. But that, that's what he was just asking. He's like, Can I watch Chucky stuff? Chucky with you your like mom. Chucky party? Yeah, with your mama, you're about like three years away from Chucky. Don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be long now. It's certainly want to play. Goth, it'll, it'll be Gothic Barty soon. Before you know it, it's coming. Uh, so, hey, so we're we're gonna brand all these guys. We gotta figure out what your shtick is, boy. Hey, is is the book in stores yet, Matt? Uh, it it should be December fifth is where it's yeah. going to be starting to be shipped out, so it should be any time now. And that's uh, at yeah, Target, if you, correct? If you guys are out there, yeah, Target, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million, uh, you can get it online at Amazon. The Life of a Gothic Baby, and it just announced today, so it just dropped just uh, like a couple hours ago, so I can actually announce it on here. They just announced uh, my wife and Gothic Baby are going to be going out to Anaheim, California. Uh, Blackcraft 
are releasing a very special, and there's going to be a whole bunch of clothing items, a gothic baby clothing line. That's wow. Getting ready to come out now too. Yeah, so that's a big deal. That just became official tonight. And it's when, when Barty, huh? stop. <laughs> stop. Young I man. was not tossing that. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, yes, but the gothic baby line, uh, clothing line is out officially. It has been announced. That's amazing. That's amazing. Congratulations yeah. to you and Queen Rebecca Thank on you. that and your little baby girl on becoming a superstar. Very, yeah. very happy to see that. Awesome stuff, my friend. We'll be, be, we'll be back at it again next week right here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. The words have been spoken. We will see you next time. Ready? Delete! Your skin's dying because you're under it.